it was a gamble. We we knew that we were we could lose that twenty nine thousand dollars, and we knew it. And when we put up money like that, we're not going to put up someone else's money unless they want us to do that with it in a certain certain agreement. But for the most part, we gamble like that, and we invest a little more aggressively, a little more risky to make that reward. We're normally going to use our own cash for that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Fragnito, and we have another awesome guest today, a repeat guest, the co-owner of People's Capital Group, Seth Martinez. How you doing? Hey, Seth, how are you doing over there in Berkeley Heights today? Fantastic. Excellent, excellent. Seth is in Berkeley Heights running the New Jersey operations. We're acquiring apartment buildings and income properties down there in North Jersey. I'm up here in Southern Vermont acquiring some uh, short-term rental properties. In fact, I just put a uh, five unit under contract today that'll continue the completion of a little hotel we're buying up here. So PCG is going to be the proud owner of a hotel. Very exciting, very exciting, very big day for us. Excellent. But ladies and gentlemen, we are not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about how People's Capital Group, Seth and I invested about $50,000 about two years ago uh, by purchasing the second lien of a nearly million dollar property about 10 minutes from our office in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey. They're a really great neighborhood and a beautiful home, great location, needed some TLC for sure, but we bought it, we snagged it for 50,000 at at an auction. So Seth's gonna break into this transaction, how we were able to triple our investment in about a, a two year period, and you know it's a really incredible story, really incredible deal. Listen, they're not all like this. Okay, this is a, this is a really cool deal, very profitable, very good investment for us. And there's a lot of risk as well. So we put our own capital up, and we did quite well at the end of the day with this uh, with this cool deal. So Seth, uh, without further ado, um, can you break in? How did you find this deal? Let's get the full details. Let's start at the beginning. How did you find this deal? All right. So um, yeah, well we. Um... At the time, this was 2019, we were doing a lot of auctions, all types of auctions, um, including using the internet. And uh, this is an auction we had gone to. And um, that day, we were not too prepared. We were very busy running around doing other real estate. But we, we I got to the auction. I looked at the, the list of properties. And I noticed there was a house listed or going up for auction at $29,000. I took a double look at it, made sure it was. It was and did some research and based on my understanding of the neighborhood um thought it might be a great deal because i knew it was a million dollar neighborhood and mm-hmm. a million dollar street oh, yeah. and so um yeah did some more research and i took a step out of the auction and gave you a call <laughs> get, your, get your thoughts on it <laughs> i think i remember that you're like this is a crazy deal no one knows anything about it just popped up on the list but Based on the location, heck, even if it's just land, it's a good deal, you know. Right. Um, so you gave me the, you gave me your okay. I, I was good with it. I just wanted to get you your uh, okay, and we both agreed uh, to go ahead with the deal. And so when um, uh, I came back into the the room, there was a lot of chatter uh, about the property. And um, basically, when it came time to uh, make the bid, when the bid when the property came up, the auctioneer read off the details of the sale, including the fine print. And he also included at the end of the fine print, subject to a first lien mortgage in the amount of $650,000. Mm-hmm. 
And when he said that, there was a lot of chatter in the room and <laughs> gasps, uh, and most of them were disappointing gasps because that's a pretty big lean for any property. <laughs> and so when I heard that, I kind of got the sense nobody's going to fit on this. And so um, when the auctioneer asked for a starting bid, uh, I raised my hand, called out $29,000, and the room kind of looked at me like I was crazy or brilliant, <laughs> uh, or that I knew something that they didn't know. Uh, uh -huh. But uh, yeah, he quickly went from there to uh, going once, going twice, sold. And uh, at that point, the property was ours for now. Oh, um, very exciting. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. I, I love those auctions. They're so exciting. Now, so to explain exactly what that means, it's subject to a $650,000 first mortgage. So this means we bought a second lien, a second mortgage. And what we have to do now at this point is figure out how we're going to negotiate down with this first, first lien holder and work with them uh, because they actually have rights over the property over us um, if they foreclose on, on the property, but they would have to complete the foreclosure process and foreclose over us. But we had bought some time by purchasing the second uh, this note, the second lien mortgage on, on the property. And uh, so, but we had to, you know, we knew we had to pay this 650 grand at some point or another to get clear title on the property. Um, so that's why no one else was bidding on, on the property. That's why everyone looked at Seth like he was an idiot because he just paid 30 grand to take on a $650,000 debt uh, for a piece of real estate. Well, that had someone living in it. So go ahead. What, what happened next? Exactly. And so, um, but again, based on our experience, uh, you know, we had been in business over five years, even at that point, and we had done hundreds of deals. So we knew the ins and outs of foreclosures, auctions, and those neighborhoods. So we had sort of an advantage in that sense. And um, we just had the confidence of doing a lot of deals. So uh, basically upon winning the bid, I, I drove up to the house and um, knocked on the front door. And at that point, I met the soon to be former owner who wasn't so thrilled to meet me. And uh, when I was there, I had about a 10 to 15 minute dialogue and I introduced myself. I told him we were real estate investors and uh, we bought you know, the, uh, the foreclosure uh, at the auction and he was aware of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, but I also got the sense he wasn't, again, so, so thrilled that I was there. So I made a quick exit after about 10, 15 minutes. And I told him, listen, think about it. Um, I will need you to move out at some point, but think about it. and. We're better off working together than, than fighting each other. So I'll come back in a couple of weeks. And so I did. I left. Uh, he thought about it and um, came back in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, and at that point, he had already been on the phone with attorneys, uh, looking at his options, and um, basically started to try to fight it, fight back. And he went to the, to the uh, local court and spoke to a judge. And the judge actually granted him some some options and basically one option. And the option the judge gave him was that he had one, one last opportunity to pay off his, uh, his debts. Mm. And he gave him a whole month. Mm -hmm. I believe that was the month of February. And so um, we were kind of holding our, our breath there for the month of February to some extent. And mm -hmm. um, at the end of February, I came back. He, he had not paid it off. And uh, so we basically paid off the remaining part of the bid, the remaining part of the $29,000. And we were given a deed very shortly thereafter in a couple of days and we recorded the deed and at that point we were officially owners of the property mm -hmm. albeit with a with a lien on it but we mm -hmm. so so what you're explaining there is you didn't actually pay the twenty nine thousand dollars that day you raised your hand and and bid you put up twenty percent 
of $29,000, which is uh, what about six grand, something like that. And um, so then you, you put up the rest of the other 24,000, 23,000, uh, you know, once the, uh, once right. it was due, once title was clear. And exactly. So and, all the auctions we go to, yes. Uh, I mean, each auction, like I said, we do many, many different types of auctions, some online, some in person. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, each one's a little different. Sometimes you have to put up 10%, 20%, sometimes the whole amount by the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, this particular one was about 20%. And then we had uh, a couple of weeks to uh, pay off the balance and mm -hmm. uh, maybe 30 days to pay off the balance, which got extended as the borrower asked for more time. Yeah. And of course, part of that process was having a title company run title and find out if there are any more liens, you know, taxes, water, sewer, contractor liens, you know, additional IRS liens, whatever the issues could be. So you can run into those as well when you're buying uh, uh, properties with a history like this one. So um, definitely a lot, of, a lot of inherent risk there. Um, but go ahead, Seth, what was the next step now? So you're, you're trying to get more flies with honey at this point, it sounds like. Yeah, I tried to maintain the relationship with the with the gentleman, and uh, I was able to do that. Although, again, he wasn't so thrilled, and his, his main focus was not, uh, you know, working out anything. He wanted to try to salvage the house. But when we had the deed, and the court basically gave him the last chance, and he, he didn't execute on that opportunity, uh, he knew he basically was running out of choices. Uh, nonetheless, he still didn't move out. We had to go to court. Uh, we had to go to the uh, special kind of court, not landlord tenant court. This is a different type of court when you're dealing with a homeowner, not a tenant. Mm -hmm. um, and so we went through that court, got an ejectment order, and we got the order about three months later. It took a long time. But um, got the order, I went back to the house and um, showed him the order. He was aware of it. And uh, nonetheless, we actually gave him $2,500 cash for keys as part of the judge uh, order. So the judge wanted us to do that. So, we did that. so I gave him $2,500 check and he moved out and we changed the locks. Okay. All right. So uh, you came to, you know, you went through the right process, uh, the uh, judicial system for, and exactly what that's for when someone's foreclosed on, uh, there's a whole additional process. It's not just a regular county eviction. It's actually, from what I understand, the state has to approve the eviction first, and then it's passed up to the county, which then executes the actual service of the eviction and removal of the tenant. Um, so it's really a whole nother step, uh, you know, to do an ejectment over an eviction and therefore takes about twice as long and, and is also subject to not being successful as well. So, um, all right, so that you went through the whole process, you paid the cash for keys uh, and the, the tenants now, the past owner now has moved out. Um, and now you finally have a vacant property that still has a $650,000 mortgage on it. Exactly, and that was our next priority. We had to deal with that mortgage and start a lengthy negotiation process with the bank. First name bank, and that took over a year, maybe a little over a year, yeah. And um, finally, we were able to do that. But before we did that, we did some cosmetic updates to the to the house, including some much needed landscaping, and um, tried to immediately sell the house while we were trying to negotiate the mortgage. Um, at that point, the market was not as strong as it is now, so we didn't have any strong buyers for what we were looking for, and. Um, we ended up deciding to rent out the house and we got a tenant for about $4,000 a month. And in addition to that, we got a tenant who wanted to also have an opportunity to buy the house down the road later in the lease. So we signed a six month lease with him and uh, with an option to, to buy it. And uh, he was paying $4,000 a month. So that covered some of our costs, make some profit as well. And um, unfortunately after six months, he wasn't able to buy the property because we didn't have approvals yet from the bank and uh, 
some other reasons as well, but that was the big one. So we gave him a six month extension on his lease and his option. And um, after six months, he still wasn't able to buy the property, even though we were getting close to bank approval, uh, the buyer's circumstances had changed and wasn't able to purchase the property. So um, at that point we actually terminated the lease and uh, the option to buy it and started looking for another buyer. And uh, at the same time, that's when COVID started happening. So this was last year. Mm -hmm. That uh, opened up a whole other set of variables. Ah, wow, we and then yeah, and the eviction courts essentially closed down at that point as well. So you really had no uh, control as a landlord. Um, but you know, one of the greatest things about this property as well, when you own a uh, a property like this uh, with this you know amount of investment we had, the holding costs were kind of minute uh, for the most part. You know, the tenant paid the utilities and. Uh, we were able to uh, let the taxes roll, knowing that they would be paid at the time we sold the property, and uh, we were really just focused on keeping the property, you know, properly maintained, which a lot of which the tenant really did the whole time. Um, so it was a nice cash flow property for us as well, um, and that was one of the yeah, that was really one of the more profitable into the, the uh, investment also. Um, so, uh, but okay. So that, that's interesting. So now the COVID hits, so the eviction courts closed down, all the courts closed down. Um, obviously the market kind of pauses for a few months and pretty much lights back up on fire, uh, by the time, you know, summer and fall hits pretty much. But, uh, so, so, um, what happens at that point? Yeah. So, um, with COVID, everything kind of, like you said, went on ice for a few months. Um, he fell behind on, uh, we still had a same tenant. He was just no longer able to buy the property, uh, but he still wanted to be a tenant. And so we were still collecting rent. We fell behind. And at the same time, we were negotiating uh, final details with the lender and uh, final amounts. And so that took about nine months all the way through last year to get a final settlement with the bank. And uh, also the tenant eventually caught up on most of the rent. And so by, the, by January of this year, we finally had written approval uh, well, actually, no, we had a verbal approval from the bank that they were willing to settle at a certain price that would work for us and work for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but it took another three or four months to get written approval from the bank. So they were kind of going back a little bit on their word, but we got the written approval, and um, that was around April, May. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up selling the house in June this month to a new buyer. Okay. Okay. No, that's great. That's great. And um, so through this uh, process, it sounds like the, the bank it really took uh, about 18 months to get um, approval from the bank. Now we actually hired a short sale negotiating company at first to complete this uh, short sale negotiation. And they're very good and very experienced. We've used them for dozens of transactions and even they had trouble getting it done. So we actually took back the file, contact the attorneys directly who were uh, completing the foreclosure process and got a lot further actually by doing that than by contacting the loan service provider, right? So what, what most short sale negotiating companies do is contact the service provider of the loan. But if you contact the attorney company doing, they directly is filing the foreclosure, sometimes you get further with that. So short sales are confusing. They're not all the same, but that, that was our, uh, our strategy there. And we did quite well with it over time. And you were very persistent, Mr. Martinez as well. Yeah, you gotta be in this business. You gotta, yeah. you gotta fight to the end and uh, make sure you win. <laughs> wow, we guarantee it, but it's usually impossible if you never give up and keep persistent and stay professional and yeah. try to make it a win-win for everybody, so. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the greatest things about this uh, this uh, transaction was that the tenant actually had fixed up the property while living there. 
Um, so really any rent that he didn't pay seemed to kind of go back into the property and renovations in a lot of different ways. And that helped us actually sell the property for a decent price, uh, higher than where, where he was at. And uh, also the market, the market boomed during this uh, holding period. So let's let's call what it is, you know, the market did quite well and, and helped us make a nice profit here. I think we would have done okay if the market didn't boom, but we did far better because the market boomed. And, you know, basically at the end of the day, we were able to triple our uh, $50,000 investment over about a two-year period. And, um, you know, being on the ground in this business day in and day out, not all our deals are like that. In fact, this is a rarity. That's why we're doing a podcast episode about it, of course. But very cool opportunity we took advantage of, you know, a lot of risk in there. We put up our own money. We did not put up investors' money for this type of stuff because, quite frankly, it was a gamble. We, we knew that we, were, we could lose that $29,000 and we knew it. And when we put up money like that, we're not going to put up someone else's money unless they want us to do that with it in a certain, certain agreement. But for the most part, we gamble like that and we invest a little more aggressively, a little more risky to make that reward. We're normally going to use our own cash for that. Our investors generally invest in turnkey operation, turnkey uh, properties uh, you know, that we're repositioning and uh, different opportunities like that. So um, so that's how we structured this deal. That's how the funds worked on the deals. That's, that's how the investment worked. It was very good for us. And uh, there was certainly a lot of a uh, couple sleepless nights there. Although at this point, we don't really have sleepless nights. You just roll over and go back to bed, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's okay to worry a little bit. You worry a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. All right. We'll work on our meditation. I, I hear meditation's where it's at. So we'll see. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Martin, no, worked, out, worked out all around. So definitely. excellent stuff. No, very cool transaction. Very cool experience. Uh, one of hundreds for us and a successful one at that. So we learned a lot through the process. And uh, I think at the end of the day, everyone uh, got what they, what they needed. Everyone seemed to be happy and the, and the system worked. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. On to the next one. On to the next one. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Mr. Martinez, any parting words for our listeners? Um, well, I would just say um, if you're interested in real estate investing and you want to partner with a company, uh, I can promise you not all of our deals are like this one. So the risk level should be lower, but I have to be careful what I say as well. I can't really talk too much about risk, but again, this is a rarity like Aaron says. Normally our investments are more consistent. They have more historical trends mm. and uh, longer term as well things like that, part building, so forth and so on. But uh, this is fun. If you want to learn more, give us a call and we can chat about maybe some future opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, very cool story. Very fun investment. And uh, yeah, of course, most of the investments we do are more like the building you see behind me there, which have a lot less inherent risk than what we did here. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think I'll stick with these things uh, behind me. Nice, uh, nice apartment building. You can't grow all the apartment buildings, my friend. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us on another episode of the Passive Cashflow Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Aaron Fregnito, co-owner of People's Capital Group. And if you want to learn more about the qualification process to become a qualified investor at People's Capital Group and get access to our private offerings, which are opportunities to invest in apartment buildings like the one you see behind me there, um, then go to peoplescapitalgroup.com and fill out an application form, schedule a call with a managing member, and let's connect and see if you're qualified to start investing with our group. Aaron with People's Capital Group, have a good day.